For all my women out there, I just want you to know that you are a boss. Women have to be at the table for technology and innovation. And if not, we'll simply create our own. Don't feel like you shouldn't be a part of the tech space just because there aren't many women in the room. That's exactly why we need you to be there. Girl, don't forget to rep your set in these tech spaces, AKA rep your culture. You are the face of technology and the face of the future. make sure you subscribe to this podcast guys y'all already know subscribe and follow us on instagram and facebook i have links to that below and if you're using an app or a website and you can't see links below you can go to huaweitech.com podcast and you can get access to all that information or just follow us at women in tech with ariana on facebook or instagram <laughs> welcome back guys with another episode of women in tech with ariana today guys we have a super special guest Roz Ho. Roz is the VP and Global Head of Software and Solutions at HP. So thank you so much for being here, Roz. Oh, thank you for inviting you. I'm very excited to do this podcast with you. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start from the beginning because I love to give context to our listeners because our listeners are all over the world. Where are you from and currently based? So I was actually born in Hong Kong. Uh, My family immigrated like many other people, to the U.S. when I was 11 years old. So I'm kind of a product of two cultures, as many, many of us are. Uh, I live in Los Altos Hills now, so I pretty much stay in the Bay Area for most of my adult life with uh, living up in the Northwest in Seattle for uh, seven to nine years. But really, I'm, I'm back in Silicon Valley. So where all the magic happens. I love it. <laughs> so, well, a lot of magic happens everywhere, but this true. is a very concentrated area. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Now, you know, Ross, I'm curious, what was your intro into technology, right? Like what inspired you to be in this industry? So, okay. So I'm going to go way back in time, but uh, I actually wanted to be an astronaut very, very early in my career. But uh, then I read the Foundation Trilogy from uh, written by Isaac Asimov, if you know that author. And I was so inspired by how technology can really change the world. And I got very interested in being a computer scientist. And when I took my first Fortran class, back in high school, I was just hooked. So that was my introduction and just really kind of like, I wanna change the world. You know, that's how I think about things. And, you know, I wanna kind of share a story with you, which is my mother was actually one of the very first engineering students in China after World War II. So she always, you know, wanted me to be a scientist. And I think I I was really inspired by her and I follow in her footsteps, although, you know, in computer science, not in chemical engineering, which is what she was studying. But I really want to hear about your story. Like what got you interested in tech? How did you end up being a technologist? Thank you for asking that question. People usually don't ask me questions, so I love that. Um, And I love how, you know, I definitely want to tap more into like your mom and stuff. But yeah, so I was 
inspired to get in tech actually in high school. Um, my high school had the very first robotics um, club, club or program, whatever you want to call it, around my sophomore year. I was walking down the hall and I saw this flyer and I was like, okay, like I've heard of robots. I've done the robot dance or whatever back in the day. But, you know, what, what is this thing? And, and why is it here at my school? Because those types of programs just weren't common. I remember going in and um, our, professor, our teacher at the time, Mr. Collier, he was showing the students like, um, he built a robot actually that helped him. And this was like pre, like, I think lawn bot days clearly, but he actually built a, a bot, like a, a small bot that could kind of cut a piece of his grass in his front lawn. Um, he actually, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he just, and he used that as a demonstration to kids to kind of show real world applications of how technology could be used. So next thing I know, some months passed, this is my sophomore year of high school. And we're competing um, in a program called Best Robotics National Program, or First Robotics, excuse me, uh, where students all around the country can come together. And for our first year, there were 60 teams. And my team came in 59th place, but we were so, we were so <laughs> proud. And we, we built a robot that could play basketball. Like we, we built- Oh my God. We built our arm and it went, I mean, we weren't that good. We were 59th place, but you know, we had to build our arm and the arm actually had to grab the ball and put it in the bucket and, you know, you had to drive it around. And, and so my role on the team, that's where I learned more about like circuits and, you know, building systems. Um, but that's what got me into technology. And, and from there, I was like, okay, this is a world that I didn't know existed like literally six months ago, but now I think this is where I want my career to end up. So I'm glad you asked that question, Ross. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny because we both remember the high school, the name of the high school teacher, because yeah. mine was Mr. Bettencourt, and, and you remember yours. So, you know, hugely influential in our lives, obviously. Absolutely. And, you know, and I know you're big on mentorship and all that stuff, and we'll get to those details later, but it, it truly is amazing when you, um, you know, you're in a young person's life and you get them to get exposed to a world they knew not, didn't even exist. Like, what are the, you know, it just, it's inspiring, right? You're, you're you know, building up the next Roz Ho and Ariana and, and Steve Jobs and stuff. So, but so I know Roz, you know, you started your tech career as a software engineer at HP, working on a graphical user environment called New Wave. Can you tell us about that project and how that industry experience helped to influence your career in tech? Well, so it's interesting. New Wave was really a graphical user environment that was built on top of Windows 2.1. And I'm sure no one alive even remembers that, but it was. And I would say it was truly ahead of its time. You know, we had a lot of concepts in there, like the agent, which is really an object, you know, model right. um, with APIs that you can program mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of technology around sharing information and linking information, a lot of which exists today, but we were really early in those days. And I would say, here's what I learned about that, which is, I think it was a great piece of technology, but it really didn't get adopted, partially because HP was really known as a hardware company. So, you know, we were having a hard time with getting the sales force engaged, getting the customer. So here's what I learned from all that. Technology by itself may or may not matter. 
-hmm. or it may or may not matter for a long time. It's really being able to get that adopted that is truly important and truly influential. You can't just build technology for technology's sake. You have to really be solving people's problems. You have to make it useful for someone, whether it's a consumer, enterprise, a developer, whatever. So that's kind of like a really kind of like a profound learning from my career. Absolutely. And, you know, I love like, because that's talking about the customer center approach, right? And especially it's funny because I, I work with founders all the time who have all these ideas because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a developer. I build apps and just stuff. It's just like you software engineer. Right. And they come to me with these ideas and they're like, well, these are all the features and this is what we need. And this is the shiny, shiny object. And then you ask them, well, what does your customer want? And they're like, well, we think they want this. And it's like, no, like you, you need to start first with who's going to be your end user and then go, you know, go backward or go forward. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that you, you hit on that point about innovating and solving a customer's true problem. Yeah. I mean, I think that in a lot of cases, it's a, it's a combination, right? Because if you ask users what they want, they can only talk about that in the framework of their existence. So you as a technology have to say, ah, but I know this technology, I'm going to invent this technology that's going to help you solve the problem. So it's a little bit of both, right? You have to understand their problem, but then you have to come in and say, wow, okay, so with my knowledge of technology, here's how I can uniquely solve this problem. Absolutely. A hundred percent. That's so true. Both sides of the spectrum are needed. Now, um, Roz, you know, after HP, you went to work for Microsoft and had a two-year career there, right? That's (laughs) amazing, right? And and, and the cool thing about this is that, you know, you are literally called the godmother of Microsoft, like PowerPoint. Um, yeah, not Microsoft. Microsoft PowerPoint. Yeah, Microsoft PowerPoint. Because you were the only female engineer on the entire team at the time who built out PowerPoint. You know, so what was that experience like being the only woman on the team? And I mean, the early stages, like from building and testing, like tell us about that experience. That's insane. Well, actually, I wasn't the only female on the team. There are other females, but uh, we were definitely a minority. Mm-hmm. And it was, but it was fun. I mean, I think what I would have to say about that was it was a relatively small team when I joined and it was very collaborative. And I really think that that experience was a good one for me as a, as a female, because it was, it was just, we were trying to build something that was different. I mean, this is during the days where there was no PowerPoint and the presentation application was Harvard Graphics, which is a bunch of text boxes that you edit, you know, wasn't even a what you see, what you get yeah. type of application. But, um, you know, we did a lot of things. I mean, really like detailed things. Like we spent a whole release just making that easy for people to use. Like they didn't realize that, oh, you don't create one slide per file. You can actually create multiple slides in the same file, all of which seems really basic today. But, you know, we were just like working. I think there was one release where 
my car broke down and we were just about to ship and I didn't have time to go buy another car because we were working every day until midnight. We got up and kind of went back at it at eight in the morning. So I borrowed my mom's car. And then when we shipped, I think it was like we worked 31 days straight. I went to the car dealer and bought a new car. I, you know, so it was really fun. But also, you know, as as I kind of grew up, I would say, you know, Microsoft and started getting promoted into more senior levels. That's when I really noticed sometimes I would be the only female in the room in lots of meetings. And that's when it really like when I was an individual engineer was less obvious to me. And as I got up in the ranks, I I was more and more conscious of it. And sometimes you are expressing an opinion that is, you know, a different perspective than what everybody else is expressing. Right. Absolutely. And and on that note, you know, I know that you know, your big in diversity initiatives and getting more younger people and stuff into tech and more women, um, young girls. You've had a 30 plus year career in tech. And, you know, based on that experience, I'm curious, what do you believe will truly help change the gender gender gap in tech? Like, what is it, what advice do you have um, for the listeners who are leading those diversity initiatives or right They, you know, they're higher up in their company. They're not seeing more people who look like them. Um, what kind of advice do you have? You know, I've given this a lot of thought and like many of us, yourself included, and I kind of want to get your perspective when I'm done with this one too, which is like, we've done a lot of work around working with schools, obviously, because I think we all believe that that has to start really early because we have to get more women into the STEM pipeline, right? And I think that's worked to a certain extent. And of course, if you go all the way up, you know, you have like keeping women in the career because there's a lot of mid-career dropout and at the very senior level. But I'm beginning to believe that we need more community involvement, Mm -hmm. more community action. Like we need a movement. You know, we need to start something that is really about like everyone getting involved in their community, not just, you know, at the K to 12 level, there's a lot of parental involvement in schools today. And we need to activate that. We need to really say, okay, like maybe companies need to give, you know, people a day off like every other week to go and like teach at schools or like inspire in some way or like, we need to kind of band together and say, look, this is, this is like, this is it guys. We need to make this work. I know. Yeah. No, I I love that collaborative approach, right. Of banding together because, and we both talked about like our experiences being inspired when we were younger and in high school. And, and for me, I think a good way of getting closing that gender gap and providing more opportunities through innovative programs, right? Whether it's the robotics club or hosting a hackathon, I've volunteered at many hackathons um, and, and helping young girls and, and, and folks of color to, to get in the space and specifically around programming languages. So I'm right on board with you on that hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, I mean, don't, don't you feel like it's like some of us, a few of us, mm-hmm. like, talking to the world right that's why i'm beginning to feel like we need more like allies absolutely more allies that that is such a good point because 
yeah, it, it's going to take different people from different walks of life and different perspectives to get everyone together so we can show that representation, right? So people can see you and see me and be inspired. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I, I like to hear like from your perspective, what's the one thing that we can all do like tomorrow? Yeah. What are we all going to do tomorrow that's different? the good questions like your questions are better than mine I love this <laughs> no that's not true you know the one thing I think we can do tomorrow I think the first thing a, a person needs to do and, and this is I'm speaking to the choir but also speaking to myself is like finding you know what's going to be your niche right in this industry and then in that niche how do we do a good job at it to be able to show um and, and, and to show off that inspiration so for me I know that um, one of the things I'm very passionate about is building, right? So in building, what is it that I can build to show off, right? And to, not to show off, but to use to inspire as a tool to get more people in, in this industry. So for example, once I remember I volunteered for some event um, and they kind of wanted me to talk about what I do. So in the audience, I think they were like sixth to eighth grade girls. So what I did was I built like this super cool, just like basic like web app where there was like a character and the girls could come and like on my laptop and they can peek through and like drag and drop different clothes and change the, the character's clothes, right? So essentially what it is, is whatever community you're a part of, whether you're African-American or Asian or maybe an LGBTQI community, one of the things I would say is, what is it that you feel like would attract more people within your community use that as an example to inspire them to get in, right? So I, now I have these six to eight grade girls who are like, wait, like, I love to shop. Like, you're showing me how I can, yeah, you know, what's what's your niche? What are you passionate about? How can you build something? Or, and if you're not a builder, or there's something else that you can do, right? To inspire um, that community to be a part of it. Because, you know, you can't see what you don't, you can't be what you don't see. You know, I think that that's very important. I remember when I first saw in my life, the um, first, uh, she was a, Black female engineer. She went to my university, Tuskegee University. And I remember when I first saw her in person, I was like, like, of course I had done the science stuff in high school or whatever, but that was mainly boys. But this was the first time I saw a woman who looked like me in a suit who came to the school, talked about her engineering experience. And I was like, wait, no, 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 I can truly do this. Um, so that's what, that's one thing I would say is what's your niche? How can you build or whether, even if it's building a network or a community around that, um, to be able to inspire other people, because that's how, that's how we get the, the domino effect, right, of creative ideas. Yeah, I, you know what I really loved about that is that really, like, I think a lot of us working on this tend to think of it as a big generic problem, mm -hmm. and I think what you just pointed out is, no, 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 we have to break this down, yeah. like, you have to actually appeal to your community, and, like, your you know, your circle so that you can truly influence these people and speak to them. Yeah, that is so true. And I think that's like, that's, that's super cool. It Plus, is, I'm just is. like super jealous about you being able to build robots. And <laughs> <laughs> that's something that I've ever tried to do. Uh, look, look, you helped build Microsoft PowerPoint, a billion plus users, you got it, you got it. <laughs> Yeah, but half of those users probably hate me because they're like, why did you ever create this monster? <laughs> you know? Listen, PowerPoint got me through high school, college, everything. I love it. 
I'd love to hear it. <laughs> I know. But now let's make a, a, a quick switch, right? And going back into your experience and stuff, Roz, I know that you worked with Steve Jobs, right? Um, as the general manager of the Macintosh business unit at Microsoft. So I'm curious, you know, how did Steve like inspire you at the time um, as you were building products? Because I'm sure that was just an experience of, of a lifetime, truly. Well, he really sort of home in on the message that I've been learning and relearning, which is really focusing on what customers want. Yeah. Like really like very detail oriented, maniacal about those details because what he wanted to build was not just a utilitarian object. He wanted to build something that had an emotional impact with the, with the end user. And that was something I learned. But the other thing I really learned, and this is, and what I just said is probably obvious, but the other thing you really didn't know unless you got to know him better and understand how he works is he can teach, he teaches a master class in public speaking. His communication skills, like if you if you get a chance, go back and Google like Macworld keynotes from the Steve Jobs days and just watch him on stage. He doesn't use like buzzwords and tech terms. He's talking to the audience in a way that is very relatable. And that doesn't actually come. He works at it. You know, they, they practice it, they're really focused on it, and he really spends a lot of time, like, making sure that he can communicate with his audience, whether it's a consumer, a developer, you know, a business person, really, really focus on that. And that that is, like, something that I have never forgotten. And when I talk about things, when I do public speaking, yeah. I try not to use like industry lingo. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, and two, it, it brings down the barriers to, right? Like the communicate, like it allows other people to understand, right? And to, to really know what's going on. I remember in the early stages of getting into tech, even when I got into more professional, like first job and stuff, like one of the things I remember kind of feeling like, oh, do I belong here? Because I just don't understand what people are talking about. But I agree, being able to use that plain language, right, that attracts people so that everyone can understand is so important, especially when working in, in our field, like there's so many different types of people with different backgrounds. Like it's very important that we're all on the same page. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you just touch upon something that you know, I have felt all my life. And when I talk to other females in tech, they feel too, which is the imposter syndrome. Like, do I really belong here? Right, right. That's and true. I think you and I have probably worked past that, but I still talk to a lot of people that feel that way. hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. And it, it stifles innovation and takes away creativity. And it's, yeah, we have to push through and yeah, just continue to know that we belong here. I always like to, to remind people, it's like, you you need to be in this space. Like, even if you're the only one in the room, well, guess what? Now it's your duty to help open the door for someone else to come behind you. Yeah. So how did you get past it? I, I'd love to hear that. You know, it's interesting. Um, I, I love this question because I remember actually the specific moment. And so we'll have a good little transparent story time here. So I remember, um, so this might've been 
three or four. I was, no, I think it was like three years ago. It doesn't matter. Anywho, not too long ago. Um, and um, so my, again, like what I like to do is build mobile apps and like web applications, custom software. And I remember at the time I was charging, let's just say a significantly low price. So just to give an example, like maybe let's say a thousand dollars for an app, right? I was building these apps, right? For different people and, and getting, meeting with founders or really small businesses. They weren't even like, you know, Silicon Valley level or Miami tech level of founders. Um, and so I remember someone had heard about what I was doing, like through Facebook and recommendations and all this good stuff. And they came up to me um, and they were like, oh, like, you know, this is my app idea. They're pitching it to me, da, 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 da. And they're like, um, it was a, a really big company. It was like a, it was a real estate company and they had owned multiple properties and stuff like in Michigan. And I remember when they approached me and they were like uh, talking about budgets and stuff. I didn't give any recommendations. And again, they don't know how much I've charged previously before, but they were like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, so this app, you know, it'll cost like, you know, 50,000, right? Or they gave this range, a specific range. And I remember sitting in the meeting and I was like, wow, I've been selling myself short, right? And $1,000 wasn't specifically what I was charging, but that was just to give like a number example. But for me, it was like not being able to see how dynamic I was, right? Um, and it was that experience I had where someone else kind of come up and was like, no, like you are amazing. Um, and so that kind of changed the game for me. And especially when we start talking numbers, um, but that was the moment when I realized like, okay, you kind of, you know, they're, they're, you have a, you've offered a lot to this world and you are so much better than, you know, all of the doubt or the worries and stuff that you've been dealing with. Right. Um, and especially like it can get, I, I would say it can get really, um, I got pretty down and sometimes I still get a little down, I'm not going to lie in the tech space because there are not that many women who are developers, who are engineers developing product even today. Um, and so a lot of times when I'm in hackathons, I'm the only one, but I just have to remind myself, like, I'm just as smart or if not the smartest in the room. You're better. Right? Actually, you're better. Right? You're better. Okay. Cause I can communicate too. So that was the, that was the moment for me meeting with that real estate company. And at the time charging pennies for an app and they're like, no, like here's like, here's, this is our budget. Um, and again, they had no context of what I was charging previously before, because of course they probably would have been like, you know, well, let's they, they I thought you were going to ask the hundred thousand. Right. They're just like, we only have 50,000. Right. Know? Yeah. It's like, we only, it's like, oh yeah. Like, you know, so that was the defining moment for me that really changed the game. It changed. It's great that you actually can actually name that time when it happened for me. I mean, for you, like for me, it's actually less certain. It's kind of like you move along. And I think a lot of people have very similar experiences to mine where they just keep at it until one day they kind of decide, okay, really, I've done pretty well so far. I, I must belong here. Yes. And I think too, Roz, like, I love this. I just love this dialogue because I think what happens is, is we get in these moments like the imposter syndrome and we think like, well, why me? I think that's the question that we, we, we um, battle with. It's like, well, why would I build this app if there's somebody else out there in the world that's going to develop the next you know, smart contract for blockchain or the next altcoin or the next mobile app that's going to you know, be great for real estate. 
you know, and so we have to, what I try to remind myself is that, you know what, if I was blessed with the vision to be inspired by the idea, why not me, right? Like, why not me? And and I think the other thing that people struggle with is like, well, what are the tools and and stuff I'm going to use to implement? But you figure that out along the way. You really do. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of it, it's about like, kind of also going back to like early in your development, like building that self-confidence. I think it's super important and kind of back to my mom. I'm just going to bring it back to my mom, which was, you know, I was always good with math, but, you know, I think in high school, I started like, you know, paying more attention to boys and, you know, doing other stuff. And my mom never really gave me a hard time. She just said, look, you're as smart or, you know, smarter than like people out there. What you don't want is to end up with a job where, you know, you're taking directions from somebody who is smarter than you. And she basically said, look, you can do whatever you want. Like you are capable. You can do whatever it is you want. And so that really, you know, I never forgot that. For me, it's always you know, my mom's voice in the back of my head saying, you can do whatever you want. You're as good or better than everybody else in the room. And of course, that's not always true. But (laughs) it's like having that self-confidence. And, and I think it's up to all of us to inspire, you know, the women around to say, look, you can all the girls, you can do whatever it is you want, you can build robots, you can build, you know, the next PowerPoint, you can build whatever. Yes. The world is truly your oyster. It really is. Yeah. Too like I know we're we're really getting on this topic, but the world is much smaller than we think. I think sometimes we think that ideas or you know companies or people are so distant, but you'd be surprised within your network and community when you just put yourself out there, you know, throw a rock. You'd be surprised what that rock hits, right? And how that can open an opportunity for the next door for you. So I love yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, you know, at HP now, we're actually embarking on another transformation, and which is why I joined a company, really, if you allow me to tell the story. Really, you know, a long time ago, I worked at HP. We did software. And part of the problem was that it was really a hardware company. And so we had trouble reaching users. Mm -hmm. So 30 years later, I'm back. And we're still on that journey of transforming ourselves from being just a hardware company to being a hardware, software, and services company. But this time, I think we're going to make it. So I'm in the middle of really helping one of the largest and most respected tech companies, you know, transform itself to help our users, you know, whether they're consumers or big business as the pandemic hit, like everything just became digital. I mean, you see this and you're probably being asked to do all kinds of work to help all these kind of more traditional like brick and mortar companies become an online company. So this is what the world is going through. Everybody's moving from analog to digital. And of course this was already happening, but the pandemic just sort of like, accelerated it and so this is you know this is what I'm doing at HP and I'm really inspired by like 
how, and it's not just like businesses, you know, in dry terms. It's like, think about your household, think about your house, right? right? So, you know, all these small businesses that maybe used to send you bills like this, it's now all online. Yeah. So, you know, so much is changing and, and there's so many opportunities out there really for, for all these, these people, including all the women that are kind of like looking to implement their ideas. And I'm saying, just look around, like you'll see opportunity. So go for it. Or, you know, join me at HP. Right. So No, perfect pitch. Perfect. <laughs> and so, and right. So you're back at HP, right? You know, you're the VP and global head of software and solutions. You know, can you tell us about, you know, some cool initiatives and stuff that are going on within the company that you're excited about and you're like, I'm invested in this? <laughs> well, I mean, I talked about some of this already, but really like we're looking at, you know, from the consumer, like, okay, so during pandemic, what does everybody do? Whether they're working at home or, you know, have, have like kids that are learning at home, they print something, they write on it whether it's a signature, like in a real estate contract case or, you know, homework, and then they scan it, right? Because you have to turn it back into a digital object. You scan it and then you send it somewhere or you upload it somewhere. So those are like the, the things that we want people to be able to do just by almost like thinking it, you know? I mean, okay, maybe not that good, but you know, much easier than they have to do today. And that's just a small example, but like those things that people are used to doing in a, in a physical world, they're, they're having to deal with all of this like analog to digital, back to analog kind of thing. We're doing that. We're doing that in a, from a very small, like consumer household to really big enterprise. So it's a big undertaking. And you know, we're building the cloud platform that now connects all of your printers. We turn on a cloud platform that now gets like nine, 10 million printers connected to it daily on a daily basis. You know, we've built an application that has 50 million monthly active users. So a lot of stuff. But the other thing that we're really doing also is that so in order to deliver like solutions that really works for you, like features that works for you, we're having to use, you know, data, right? So data is a really important of our value proposition, but we're also one of the most responsible companies on the planet today. So we're making sure that we treat, you know, privacy as one of the dimensions of how we deal with data. So we want to make sure that customers know, okay, we're using the, this data for these specific purposes and only these specific purposes. So I would say, you know, we're there, it's a lot of work. I mean, it's easy to say, but I think you appreciate how much work it is to really keep track of all that data and to use it only in a responsible way. And then finally, one of the things we're also doing is making sure that it's it's a sustainable proposition. So we have Instant Ink, which is really like if you return the, the uh, cartridges to us, we'll make sure it's recycled, we can reuse it, we use recycled materials in our printers, and we have a um, you know, investment in forests for every piece of paper that we sell. So, I mean, 
you know, HP is really a very, like for me, because I've worked at a lot of companies and I'm not saying anything bad about the other companies that I worked at. I'm just saying HP is really, really good about, you know, taking care of what's important to our customers. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I love that. And, you know, I love that, you know, you kind of led with the approach of earlier when you were talking about, you know, um, the effects of COVID and, you know, helping the community and, and digitizing those systems so that it can make it easier for them in this new world that we're living in. And one of the immediate examples that I thought about was like restaurants and how they're using QR codes. And I'm sure restaurants need to use HP's printer system to help them when they're sending stuff to like, whether it's invoicing or, or logistics and supply chain. So that's a very good, um, interesting example that you use just there. Yeah. But like, you know, as a, as a woman or a girl out there, Mm -hmm. think about how you change, you know, participate and really like make that change, make that impact. Like you might just be the one to come up with that one idea that's going to really change how people do business today. No, that's amazing. And, you know, Roz, can we also get into more of, um, some of the, I know you are, have helped fund some of the scientific expeditions and stuff via HP. Can we talk about that? Because that was really interesting doing that research on you. Yeah. So just to clarify, those are actually my personal funding okay. of the scientific expeditions, not through the companies I've worked at. These are just really my personal interests. But, but here's the thing that appeals to my heart, which is I've always been very interested in archaeology. But really, what I found as I kind of went through the journey of my life is that I'm actually really interested not in the artifact and the cities and buildings so much as the people and the culture that created these things. So it's really kind of pivoted to more of a cultural anthropology interest. So some of the things I've funded are very specifically, it's with the um, nonprofit called the Living Towns Institute. And what they are is about preserving and revitalizing languages and culture because they're very intertwined. Yeah. So, for example, we funded this project where we went to, they went to Micronesia to, to help the, the people that still speak those languages. It's one of the most diverse language spots on the planet today. And so we literally went there with a bunch of like recording devices and some technology like laptops and things. And we gave it to the younger people in the community and taught them how to use it so that they can be the ones that go out and like interview the seniors in the community who still remembers all the story and the languages. And they created a thing called the talking dictionary and you know it has videos too and they upload it but these are like languages that are only spoken by maybe 500 people anymore so really you know very interested in and in like preserving the cultures and there's cultures around the US like you don't have to go to Micronesia to do that you know there's uh, a lot of different areas in the world where they're trying to save these this culture. So that's kind of some of the the things that I funded. I have also funded just, you know, archaeological um, expeditions. And I funded one instance where it was really about bridging the digital divide. So giving people 
um, that don't have, you know, tribes that don't have technology, a way to connect to the world. So that's what I'm really passionate about. I, you know, so I've done a number of that. I'm a member of the Explorers Club in the U.S. So that's, that's like a personal kind of passion for me. But that's, that's cool. That's awesome. I love to talk about the personal approach too, because it kind of shows like, okay, hey, we're human. And even in those personal things that you're interested in, there's ways to tie them back into like what you do full-time, which is like in the tech industry, right? Like, so you're passionate about archaeology, but you also like combine that with tech and like talking with the young folks there. And they're going to be, like you said, interviewing like the elderly and stuff to share their stories and who knows what can come out of that and how they be inspired. So this is a full circle moment right here for you. <laughs> I love that. So what inspired you to get into archaeology? How did you like- You know what? Okay, so now I got to talk about my dad. Okay. <laughs> I know he's kind of been missing in the story, but he's actually a really, really key part of my growing up. Yeah. It's uh, National Geographic magazines. Wow. So, you know, I have, I actually ended up with some of his magazines in the, like the fifties or whatever. So we used to read them together and that's what really inspired me to get into, like, I was so interested in the culture and the places and the civilization that existed a long time ago that really leads to who we are today. So, yeah, so it's really my dad that, so shout out to your mom and dad for like being awesome and <laughs> inspiring you. That is an amazing story. Um, and Roz, what last question I have for you is what final piece of advice do you have for our audience? What's one thing that you want people walking away knowing? You know, I would say for the young people, uh, follow your passion. I know everyone says that and it's just so cliche, but it's also so true. So true. I want your passion to be about STEM, but your passion could be about art. It could be about anything, but I, but I would truly think about STEM in this one way, you know, think about everything in the world that you want to fix, anything in the world, anything you're passionate about. And I think you're going to find that STEM can be a really key component where you can really make a difference mm -hmm. and just like don't don't let don't let anything stop you like oh maybe I can't do this or you know it hasn't been done before well if it hasn't been done before is what you need to do like go be that first person go break the barrier absolutely so, I love it and and what is your piece of advice yeah for asking <laughs> yeah I, I think my, my piece of advice you know along those lines is just to know that um you know the, the I feel like no matter how successful you get I feel like there's there are always those fears right that we have in the back of your, of your head but the thing is like keep pushing through right there's all there's always someone that could be better than you or someone that you're better than focus on what's your thing what's your passion first like Ross said What's your niche within that passion and just do it. Do it scared, which is one of my favorite quotes. Oh, I love that. Do yeah. it scared. Can I use it? Because I'm going to use it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure I saw, saw that somewhere on probably Instagram or something. But, you know, because, yeah, I, I just think that's so important for people to know, like, you know, there's always this inkling of like, oh, my gosh, is, is this going to be good? But just just do it. 
right? Just put yourself out there um, because someone needs to see you doing the things that you do so they can feel inspired to do it. Yeah. You have to try, yes. right? Yeah. You have to try. Yep. And don't give up. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Ross, thank you so much for coming on the show. You have been amazing. I know there's so many jewels that you have dropped that, you know, the listeners have just been excited to hear you and your story. So I just appreciate your time and coming on the show. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. I really enjoyed this conversation and uh, let's keep it up. Awesome. Let's stay in touch. What are the ways that people can follow you? Are you Twitter? Are you Facebook, LinkedIn? What's, what are, how can people? I, I have LinkedIn. Um, I'm really not very active on the other social media platforms, I'm afraid to say, but definitely LinkedIn. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much, Roz. Thank you.